feeling lost and alone, looking for validation from your partner only to find the feeling of rejection and continued frustration, you're together yet so far apart. Now your frustration has turned into disdain and resentment. Your insecurities have begun to affect every aspect of your life. Ironically, you have now become the cold and detached one, shielding yourself from the uncertainties of your relationships. Dr. April Brown has created Bringing Intimacy Back, a series of discussions that are designed to help you reclaim what you have lost along the way. Dr. April will help you rediscover and reconnect to the intimate relationship your heart so desires. Go to www.bringingintimacyback.com today and let the healing begin. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back show. I'm so happy to be back on air and hearing you guys today. Well, the Bringing Intimacy Back show is where intimacy is real. And on this show, we aim to help increase the intimate connections with your significant other, children, family, business network, community, your higher power. We give you the secret power to intimacy. So on today's show, what we're talking about is intimate connections with children and with self. Because what who I have on today is someone who is a phenomenal motivator speaker. He's actually a good friend of mine. This is Tim Maloney. He has an impressive coaching career from high school um, to college at Bayer and just at, he does basketball seasons and he has a great presence and what I like about Tim is he not only motivates a person internally and to be the best person they can be and he does a lot of this with children of course and what we're going to talk about but also with young people in the sense of um, sports but he also does it a lot with adults but he also helps motivate people to even connect with others and how that really helps. And um, when we talk about team and when we talk about business and we talk about schools, because we're all about connections here. So Tim, welcome to the show. April, it is great to basically do anything with you, let alone be on a, a show and to be able to talk about something that is significant to everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And so, um, Tim, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, I'm basically a, a New Yorker. I grew up in Queens, New York. And uh, in growing up in Queens, New York, um, was the fortunate uh, beneficiary of being around a lot of people. And simply put, I uh, was raised in a with uh, two great parents, with great um, mentors around me from teachers, coaches, uh, other family members. Uh, and it kind of, you know, is something that has platformed me into being able to go to college. I was the first one in my family to do that. And then, um, and then going on a little further in college with getting my master's in counseling. Uh, while in college, I played uh, four NCAA sports. Uh, basketball was really um, the one that I ended up uh, choosing as one that would continue a career that lasts to this day. Um, it's where I went from playing, which was the most fun thing you do with a sport, to coaching, which is probably the most rewarding thing that you do uh, with uh, with a sport. Because coaching is about other people's shine, 
much more so than playing. Playing, although I was a point guard and tried to get the ball to people, I also had the courage to try to take over a game myself. But when you're a coach, it's really – you're not trying to take over. You're trying to empower. And so – and coaching can last a, a lifetime where uh, really playing is, is a finite thing. So that's, that's pretty much me. Wow. Yes, yes. And um, so you've been coaching for how long now? Since 1983, I've wow. been coaching. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I, when I graduated school, I was fortunate. I got an opportunity to coach at New York University. I was the head coach of their soccer program, which was kind of absurd because uh, I didn't have a lot of experience in terms of coaching. I didn't have any. Um, outside of being around um, the game's best player and some of the game's greatest coaches. That's Pelé, uh, who was from Brazil, uh, and Julio Mazze and Ani Ramirez. Julio Mazze was the coach of the Cosmos, a world-renowned team from New York. And my coach uh, in college, Ani Ramirez and Felix Fuchsman. But those guys platformed me and gave me uh, a lot of um, positive uh, dialogue to other people, and I was – asked to basically coach at NYU, which I did uh, as the head soccer coach. I also helped out with men's and women's basketball and taught classes. And really from there, just kind of after two years, I really just wanted to be in basketball. And I got an opportunity to be a head coach in a high school in New York City. And then that kind of platformed into other opportunities. So the other opportunities were um, in a high school that was in Southwest Florida, Mariner High School, uh, right after I had had the great good fortune of overachieving and marrying the love of my life. Um, we got the opportunity to come down, and I, I worked at Mariner and coached there. And then that led to 20 years in Division One basketball from uh, University at Buffalo to the University of Florida, Eastern Kentucky, UMass, um, and, uh, and Baylor University, and Iona College. So that's been my trail, and it's, and it's recently – um, landed me back here in Southwest Florida, which is what I always, my wife and I really always had hoped we could do. And I'm working at Dunbar High School. Love the kids. Uh, love the people. My wife's teaching at the school. My son is at the school as an athlete. He's playing on the team. So God is uh, amazing that he's allowed us to come back. Yes. Yeah. And you've done so much. So I'm curious um, in you, what motivates you? Because you've done so um, many different things and have been such a pivotal force in many people's lives. So as we are talking about um, intimacy and this motivational intimacy, but what really motivates yep. you? Well, the thing that really, the, the really the thing that's gotten me is this, you know, when I was growing up, my father said something to me that I've never forgotten. He said, uh, you know, I said, dad, I hope we can have really good friends. And he said, you know what? If you want really great friends, first be a really great friend. Mm -hmm. And then don't expect that anyone else is going to be a great friend. But just make sure you are a really great friend. And okay. it started, I really think, with my dad and my mom and my grandmother, just the people that poured into you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because they, they didn't, like, it wasn't like they gave me a fish for a day. It's right. like they taught me to fish so that I could, I could really feed myself for a lifetime. So I think those people, I think all parents are coaches. I think if you're, you know, whether you're a pastor, whether you're husband, wife, uh, father, mother, sister, brother, friend, you know, you're, 
you really teach whatever it is that you're doing and you coach the person. So that could be in the classroom and on the court. So that's really what's inspired me. Like motivation, I think is like I said, like it, it's something that can keep somebody going for a day or two, but inspiration's an inside job. And I think I was touched by those people and, and, uh, and, and just recognizing that that's what I wanted to, I wanted to basically do what they were doing for me for somebody else. Okay. Okay. I know that sometimes, um, and even just yesterday, as I'm thinking about it, um, I see sports mm-hmm. as very important and, and especially when someone's an athlete and how that impacts them later on mm-hmm. in life. And so as, uh, we have our listeners listen out there and sometimes kids want to play a, a sport or whatever, um, but parents don't realize the significance, the importance of playing a sport. Yes. What do you think? Well, the significant gives people. Mm-hmm. Well, you learn how to just not be. Uh, you you learn how to do things with a group. You know, if it's a team sport. So you know, it's learning how to f- fit into a role, just like one would at mm-hmm. work. It's learning how to be selfless. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's also learning how to basically develop your yourself and the things, the skill sets that you aspire to and to and to work on those that maybe you're not so strong with. Um, okay. I think more than anything else, when you're with a team, when you're in part of something that's striving and has goals and, and you learn how to be unified, um, those are things that, you know, that transcend everything. It, it's, it's really about relationships. I mean, everything that you do on a team, no matter what anybody says, is about relationships. People can say, for instance, um, Let's say at at, an, at the schools that I've been, we've been we were very fortunate in the championships we've won, and so I have a number of rings, you know, from national championship rings, um, from from Baylor University, just a, a lot of different um, things that people I think aspire to in terms of winning a championship. But the funny thing is, if I said to somebody, okay, who in two thousand and six won the NCAA men's basketball championship? most people really even no, in basketball no, no. aren't going to remember. No. Right. And, and I could, I have that ring on my finger cause I was, you know, I was recognized as being a part of that national championship, but I look at the ring like I do my wedding band, the relationship. It's, okay. it's the relationships that you had. So that's the importance of sports is relationships, learning how to be coached, learning how to, uh, to inspire others, learning how to be less selfish. Okay. And as we dig into the relationship part, um, mm-hmm. I want to start off with the self. So I'm assuming you've had kids from all backgrounds of variety yes. of stuff. Yeah. How do yes. you help those kids or people who have had a rough time in life and they have no confidence in themselves? I mean, mm-hmm. do you see that? Well, yep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, and that's me, you know, that's, I certainly was not someone that, you know, was successful at sports or anything else because I just believed in myself from the get go. I think every, not everybody, I think there are some people that are naturally stronger than that, but they're few and far between that I've experienced in sports. Usually they need somebody to help light your fire a little bit, you know, somebody that basically believes in you first and it gives you permission to further believe in yourself. And then they give you direction on the things that you need to do that otherwise you wouldn't know what to do procedurally to get there and to be successful. But I love 
I love basketball in particular because the ball has no idea what color I am. Doesn't mm. know if I'm male or female. Doesn't care what my W-2 form says. Doesn't right. care what kind of sneakers I have. You know, the ball treats me as I'm going to invest and treat in it. And as a coach, what we do is we talk about that. We explain mm. that to our players and, and we create, you can call it culture, you can call it what you want, but we want teammates to graduate from being teammates by going through the process and hopefully to become a family because it's where you can teach people to really be a family if, in fact, they've struggled with with where they've come from. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So you're saying that you help with, especially with basketball or whatever, sometimes um, the ball can bring, be a foundation or a building block. Absolutely. It's like a musical instrument. If we went into the blue note in New York City, a jazz, you know, a jazz bar and, you know, people from every culture, every walk of life is in there. But the bottom line, as soon as the music starts getting played, uh, all those things drop. People aren't looking at, you know, what you're wearing, how much you have, all Mm -hmm. all the stuff that basically gets in the way of really uh, relating to the person. And so when all of those things get dropped, you know, the ball ends up being, you know, helping facilitate that happening. Mm-hmm. And I do think um, in the sense of the ball and stuff, it's it also puts out there that you should keep moving, keep trying. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, don't get that, you don't yeah, get stuck. And just because I didn't make that one shot, it's going to take practice and time. I, it's so good that you said that. I mean, because. We've talked about this the other day. There was a player that went two for nine in a game. So out of nine shots, made two Mm -hmm. baskets, and he had his head down, okay? And he played about 29 of the 32 minutes in a high school game. Wow. So I I asked him in front of everybody, I I said, listen, I said, "Um, so how long does it take to shoot the ball? And, you know, kids are sitting there, go, maybe a second or a split second. I said, okay, and how many shots did you take? So I took nine, coach, but I only made two. I said, okay, but you, how many did you take? And he said, nine. So how many seconds did that take? He said, well, it's made at the most, you know, 12 seconds. And I said, so you allowed what happened in 12 seconds to get in the way of, you know, the 29 minutes that you were playing that you didn't shoot the mm-hmm. ball, where you were rebounding, passing, playing defense and encouraging, just because you don't shoot the ball well doesn't mean that you didn't play well and it can't affect what you do in all that other time. So it's like life. I mean, we're going to drop the ball in life. We're going to make a mistake. You know, know, whether it's, whether it's something we caused or or life caused it, the bottom line is, you know, play in the moment, you know, don't live in the past, you know, um, basically play in the moment and, uh, and make sure that you know that the future can be, a lot brighter than you can imagine as long as you're focused on doing the right things in the present. Okay, definitely. We're going to take a short little break. But in the break, um, before when we come back, I would, would like you to, to talk about um, also in sports how there is that trust factor. Because yes. um, like in basketball, you've got to pass the ball. You've got to be able to trust. Yes. And how that plays in connecting with teammates and how that even later on plays in trusting others to um, help you out from absolutely when things get tough and rough. Okay. In a little break. Yes. You're welcome. In a little break here, I would like to um, 
let the audience know about a new service that's coming out. It's called Vacation Counseling. And Vacation Counseling is a counseling retreat for those of you who are out there and you're struggling in your relationship and your marriage. Maybe you've been married for a couple of years and there's a new baby and there's just a lot of um, adjustments to do. Or maybe you've been married for a while and maybe um, for some reason there's been an affair or a variety of different issues coming up and you feel like you and your partner are not connecting. We're here um, in Southwest Florida, summer of 2020, we're having intense counseling retreats where you can also not only get some counseling to help bring you and your spouse back together, but you'll also have time to have a vacation here in sunny Paradise, Florida, where you can get massages, go on the boat, um, have a relaxation kayak, do some art things, a variety of different things. So if this sounds like this is something for you, please check us out at www.vacationcounseling.com. Okay. So Tim, um, at our last part, um, we were just talking about basketball and that individual motivation and stuff. And so um, as we're going from individual to this team, there's um, sometimes I see this bridge of um, trust. Yes. Yes. The, you know, the trust factor, is, especially in the game of basketball, is there's really just one ball and there's five people out on the floor at one time right? Uh, for one team and five on the floor for the other team. So there's 10 people out on the floor with three officials, a total of three people, uh, 13 people, excuse me. And so your team is five people. So the biggest thing is how you share that ball mm-hmm. and that the ball doesn't, you know, doesn't die when it gets to one person. And the biggest thing, again, for me with our team is to get people to know that no one person is going to dominate a game so much so that, you know, is going to lead to championships. You really need everybody to be a facilitator. There will be some people that will have different roles than others, but being sure to be a true we, not me group is what secures the opportunities for people to be a true team and successful. So the, it's the trust factor is I, I, let's say I'm a point guard and the ball gets shot and we rebound the basketball. The ball is given to me. If someone's in front of me, one of my teammates that has a better opportunity to score, I immediately want to get that person the ball rather than I take the ball, dribble it up the floor to myself, make a play to score. Mm-hmm. And it's really getting kids to play that free of getting that ball passed around because the ball travels a lot faster than humans do. And right. the team becomes better based on the speed of the ball. And so it, it's really getting kids to be unselfish. And, and the beauty of that is I think it starts first and foremost with the coaching staff. Cause if you've got a, if you've got a selfish coaching staff, if you've got a, a head coach that either she or he, feels as if they're, you know, they're the grand poobah, they're the know-it-all, um, and they act that way towards the people that are helping them coach the team, and they don't and they don't treat those individuals as significant, important as themselves, or more so, kids feed off that, right. and they'll end up mirroring that image. But if they sense that everybody trusts everyone in leadership, like everyone truly is not ego-filled, they're heart-filled for each other, then the likelihood of them catching those vapors is pretty strong. And that's really what you want. 
Right. And I see this um, in what I do in helping people, because sometimes people get, um, number one, I don't believe that anyone can be successful without the help of others. No question. Yes, yes, No yes. question. Yes. And then the number two part is sometimes when you're overwhelmed, or you got, you've got to learn how to pass the ball. You've got to learn how to get help. You've got to learn. Also, I think you also have to learn how to help others. It just can't no be question. yourself. Yes. And I think yes. when you play sports as a kid or even as an adult and you learn that, then maybe you're also more able to do it in, in your own life. Does that make sense? Have you seen that? One, I mean, a, a million percent. In other words, let's say, let's say we're all playing a game and, and right. you and I are on the same team. Right? Right. And, and I missed a shot. And after mm-hmm. I missed the shot, you know, the ball goes out of bounds and I look like I'm, I'm dragging a little bit, my head's down and you run over to me right. and you put your arm on my shoulder. And you say, Hey, Timmy, we got this, man. You got this good shot. It's going to come around. Well, that little piece of encouragement may be all I need to know that, Hey, you know, no one's looking down at me because I, I missed the shot. They like the fact that I had courage to take the shot and they believe in me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, that person's really there for me. And that builds that trust that builds that, you know, that builds the power of we, and I'm, I am committed to what I do know experientially. There's never been a national championship that one person won in NCAA division one college basketball. It's a, we experience. Mm -hmm. And that we is everybody from the coaches, managers, uh, administrators, fans, players, parents, loved ones, people that really care. And once people realize that it really is about, us and not just I, you know, okay. the, the difference is made, you know? Right. Right. So as someone who does, I have that- an, I have, I have an, I have, let me, I have an analogy. Okay. Here's what I like to say. We live in a world, right. Where I think today, and I, I, I don't think it's changed much. I think biblically it probably would bear us out, but it is the truth for me. Too many people, are trying to, uh, what they do is envision everybody having candles and the candle is being held in your hand. Okay. And people on the, on, on a large majority are trying to blow out other people's candles and moving around in there. And they're trying to blow out candles because they figure if I blow out enough candles, my candle will look like it's burning brightest. Mm-hmm. Well, the truth be told the very, the truth of truths is, it's the sum of many candles burning together that burns mm. brightest. Right. So, and that's where, that's what we got to get to. And especially in the world that we live in now. Right. Exactly. Um, Cause I do think, especially in the world we live in now, sometimes we're becoming too focused on me. Just yes. too centered, center focus. And um, especially, I mean, I don't know about, with what you do, but that's with all the social media and kids just get lost yes. in, in that. Does that make sense? Yeah. They, they absolutely they get lonely because, <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's sort of like, you know, they're basic, you know, social media has its pluses, but the minuses are, I'm not, I'm interested in real interpersonal intimate activity like me looking you in the eye you know and talking to you and watching your body language and and seeing you know people hear with their heart with their mind with their eyes and then their ears 
and not their ears first. So when you really are, you know, hearing somebody, all of those things are coming in. So what's lost is that interaction, that personal interaction. And and kids are basically, you know, in the world they've grown up with, with these phones. Like I said, I think there's some great things about the phones, but I also think that there's a lot, you know, that is that needs to be understood. It's it's doing to um, to limit people's interactions and closeness and getting to know others and thus themselves. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And one of the things you were just saying, I was just thinking um, when you mentioned the heart, how does that impact yes. what you do? Um, well, you know what I do is I, I make them put their phones up okay. <laughs> and, uh, and we, re- and we actively, you know, get them to rehearse, just getting to know one another. And when you're in the gym, you know, playing a game, you're away from your phones. And we do a lot of drills. We do a lot of things um, that just, you know, breaking down parts of the game because there are multiple tasks involved in basketball. So in a two-hour practice, being away from your phone for two hours, for kids, you know, they're probably going through withdrawal. And we probably make them go even longer than that because, as you can tell, I don't, I'm probably uh, I, I'm not the most concise human in the world. I want to get better at that. But, you know, we really try to express ourselves to them both before and after practice, just verbally and and emotionally to be there for them. And we, we take kids fishing. We take kids to our house. I mean, we they're as important as any humans that we're around. It's it's about relationships. OK, yes, yes. And I do think um, especially working with children and young people and providing that safe environment for them to explore, to get to know other people, to get to know themselves, they become more meaningful adults. No, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a young fella named Caleb Vonberg, and I'm going to go fishing with him today. And he's, he loves basketball and uh, and he's finishing up school and everything. And I have great conversations, you know, with him and where we put down the phone and, and basically, you know, when you when I have the kind of time that I get with him, I'm benefiting. I, I would think more so that he is, you know, I hope he's benefiting, but I benefit from it. So the relationship part is really helps grow all of us. Okay. Is it different now in the 20, almost 2020 than it was <laughs> 15, 20 years ago? Yes, because. Um, it's not that kids still go through puberty, identity crises, all the things. Everybody's looking okay. for somebody to point them in the right direction. You know, everybody's looking, you know, there's an innate desire to, you know, to figure themselves out a little bit and stuff. But what is different today is the people around kids. Okay. Now, and that to me in sports, because a lot of times some of these kids that are, that I've been involved with coaching, they're like human ATM machines to some people because mm-hmm. some of them have the opportunity maybe to to be professional players, et cetera. And that was that was tough for kids to navigate. And so that's different. Um, right. Additionally, what's different is I think that there's a lot more families that don't have dads around right. and or that are broken up. There's, you know, there's just a lot more. There's a lot more in lacking the connection and and the one thing we have on, you know, young people that, you know, can't be debated is years. Right. And so our years, you know, we can use to help them empower themselves to make wiser choices by 
giving them, you know, giving them things to think of and look at so they can make more informed decisions. And when you do that in a loving manner Mm -hmm. and a a concern that kids recognize that, man, that that person didn't need to do that. They didn't do that for themselves. They did that for me. That's, That's when some really beautiful things happen. Yeah, definitely. Wow, you're such a great, um, and you, besides that you coach, you mentor a lot, which it seems amazing. Yes. Amazing, amazing. Yes. Yes. So we're going to take, have to take another little short commercial, but in this commercial, sure. Tim, I would love for you to talk about um, how you do, I guess you do a lot of motivational speaking and how people can um, get in contact with you and uh. what you provide. Yes. So- Okay. Well, (laughs) I'm at, I'm currently at Dunbar high school right now. And, uh, and, and I don't know if I'm I I think it's called motivational speaking, but what I really speak about is just um, the experiences that I've been afforded to go through, which uh, I, I consider myself just a regular person, but I have been through some irregular experiences in, uh, in sports, um, places that I think many people, uh, aspire to, to try or, or to achieve to being at. And the one thing I know about going through the experiences that I have is that it's all not taboo and that it, it's not the answer, but there are definitely some lessons to be learned from going through prosperity, uh, which has its own really high levels of adversity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also just uh, for me to, to empower anybody and everybody to know that, you know, you're a difference maker once you choose to be that for other people. And, uh, and I think for me, the one thing that makes, you know, somebody uh, clear to me to be a person of strength are those that do that. And also those that say, Hey, I need a little help with this because it means that there's a level of not only understanding themselves, but the courage to say, Hey, I want to move forward. I want to do better at something. So I basically, you know, I, I usually get asked to go to places like um, New York University or I was at the University of Florida speaking. I was overseas at uh, in Istanbul speaking. I go to different places, but I, I like go to, I, it could be at a, a dinner table. It could be, you know, with a friend. I, I just, it's not just going and, and, and speaking in front of a large group. It's just being, making myself available. So if anybody ever wants to come watch a basketball game, and learn a little bit about our program, learn about our coaches. Uh, and I would love the opportunity of getting to know anyone that's listening to anything that's being said that means anything to them. Uh, I would just say, go online, go to Dunbar high school, look at the basketball schedule, you know, let me know a game that you'd like to come to. You will not pay a dime and we will get together and you'll get to meet everybody in our team. And we'll talk about, um, you know, doing, whatever you would have us do in terms of expiring a group, <coughs> excuse me, inspiring a group. Okay. Thank I'm you inspired so to get rid of this cough. I tell you, <coughs> sorry yes. about that. No, that's okay. Thank you so much for, for stating all that. Um, one of the things that um, really the one of the main reasons why I have you on is because like you said, you've gone through a lot of stuff and you've learned lessons. <coughs> yes. Yes. And yes, so yes. Um, a variety of different lessons. And I've um, learned lessons in being working with you because you and I work together at, certain, at a certain point in our lives. And yes. so um, yes, out of all the lessons that you've learned, can you share with us like one or two of your top lessons that, that you've learned in life mm-hmm. 
and then how you okay. use that lesson to teach the young people, to coach the young people today. Okay. Well, I think the biggest thing that you learn is that, um, <clears throat> for me, is that, you know, you never arrive in life. You, you never, never arrive. arrive. It's not like life. I've arrived, you know, yeah, you never arrive like as a, I certainly don't feel like I've ever arrived as a coach. I know what type of coach I am. Okay. I'm somebody that cares about people and <clears throat> and stuff like that. But um, but I, I I'm somebody that really believes that once somebody thinks they've arrived, you know, their journey is is starting to slow down or stop. Sort of like a piece of fruit. Right. Um, once it once it's ripe, what does it have to look forward to? Exactly. Okay, so you always keep learning. And so, moving. Yeah. So you and you and you always will. Like they just really always will. And the other piece I think that I've learned was years ago. You know, I'm just very fortunate with the people mm-hmm. I was around. There was a young man named Ronnie Code, and he was a Afro American fella. He was about five foot nine, coffee okay. black. I mean, he was so dark that if it was midnight, you could not see him unless he was smiling or blinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also one of the most attractive human beings I've ever seen. His smile glistened. His mm. eyes spoke. He's just one of the best people I've ever been around. And he was a great basketball player. And this was during a time when in New York, people were really segregated. If you lived in the middle of town, you were a person of color. If you lived in the West End of town, you were very white. So you were Italian, Polish, Irish, whatever you were. And if you were in the East End of town, you lived in a big house and and you, it was predominantly Jewish. But can you imagine these people didn't hang out right. and they didn't associate with one another? But Ronnie Code could go anywhere. And he was whatever cool is, you know, like you got the cool group at school. He was cool because he was unbelievably good looking. Okay. He was the best basketball player in New York City at the time. Okay. And he could go anywhere. Mothers used to stop. He'd be walking down Park Avenue and mothers would pull over mothers and say, Ronnie, you need a lift? And I know that because my mom would. Mm. And and the thing that was magical about Ronnie was he. I, I was very short. I was like four eleven. I was a ninth grader. I, I could see the gum underneath the desks. I mean, I was <laughs> not somebody that people could. You know, I wasn't the most taken serious guy basketball wise in the world. When girls would see me, you know, my sister was a junior. I was a freshman. Her friends would always go, "Oh." you know. And you didn't really <laughs> want to hear that. You know, they would say he's so yes, cute. Yes. Yeah, You know, and uh, you wanted people to think you were hot. And right. uh, I mean, they said E.T. was cute, so they, it didn't fit me. Right. But you wanted to be significant, right? Mm-hmm. Ronnie was somebody that every day made me feel significant every single mm. day. And one time I was walking through the center of town with four of my friends. And as we were walking, there was a crowd. Guys are wearing bell bottoms, big Afro radios and everything. And, 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 I, and everybody saying, we better walk in the other street. I said, I'm walking home and that way's home. And as mm-hmm. we pass the crowd, a hand comes out of the crowd, grabs me, and pulls me in the crowd. Right. And my my four so-called friends run away. Mm. But the person that pulled me into the crowd was Ronnie Code. Okay. And he was smiling. And it was yes, it he was, was an evening. And mm-hmm. and he introduced me to everybody. Lummy Smith, David Taylor, Lorenzo Lowe, Lorenzo Lake, Lorenzo Warren. There were so many Lorenzos that you had to have nicknames. <laughs> but <laughs> just think of it. I, I got to, and the next words out of Lorenzo Lowe's mouth was, hey, man, you that boy from white from down west with that crazy handle, which meant the way I dribbled the ball. 
you need to come to the King Center and play ball. Well, the next day, I went to the King Center and played ball. And it's because of Ronnie Code and because of Lorenzo Lowe and those quality people that were cool enough to accept me and, and just showed me a whole other world. And I didn't, you know, hang out with the four so-called friends that ran away, but I didn't even, I didn't hold them hostage or was upset with them. It's just my path then was really, I wanted to learn as much as I could about life and basketball mm -hmm. allowed me to do that. And so did Ronnie. So I would say those two things, just be open, you know, really open to, the people that come into your life that are difference makers. Right. And you said, I mean, it just seems like he made, because he made you feel significant, that made a big significant change in your direction in life. And so- um, he, belie he, he believed in me. Yes, he believed yes. in me and it helped me believe in me. Yep. 100%. Yes, yes, yes. And so um, some of our listeners are out there listening and maybe they're teachers or maybe they're, counselors or a variety of, of other things and we including yourself have so many young people around us how do we yes make that difference of making someone feel significant with all these people you know what i'm saying I, I, yeah oh no ab absolutely well first of all education educators counselors and stuff like that it's funny i don't know if everybody else has had this experience but um when i went into to college basketball now I've been there mm -hmm. for 20 years uh financially there's a lot of money to be made there right so right. some people equate success with with finances right right so but I I never had it's not why I went and did it and what I've always found when I when when I initially went into education was some people looked at you as if oh that's a nice job oh nice you're gonna teach almost like it was a less than job mm, um okay when I think about it, you know, like there was, you know, it's, it's interesting. My wife taught a class and in one of the classes at the university of Florida, she taught, um, there was a Latino lady in the background. I was speaking at the class and she said, and this will answer, address this question. Uh, I, I made that same statement. I said, you got, cause it was a class on for English teachers getting their master. So it was an okay. additional teaching methodology class for, right. for them. And so, right. You know, I said, did you ever get that experience where sometimes you feel and some people and, and, you know, people would say, yeah, you know, my friends think I could do better. And, and then I'm looking around this one Latino woman's back there. I said, did you have this feeling? And she goes, yes, I did. And I go, would you mm. would you mind explaining it? And she said that um, her dentist told her, you know, that she could do much better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, really? I said, is your dentist male or female? says male i said okay i said are you when, when's your next appointment is are you done because my last appointment is wednesday and i said well, were you offended by what he said and she said yes i said okay yeah. could i make a suggestion to you and she said sure and i said i said well first of all i consider you powerful because a you're latino right. and i played basketball all through south america i think it's just an incredible place and culture i said and, and you're a woman and I said, so that's powerful by itself. Mm -hmm. And I said, but here's what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind. Here's my suggestion. Make sure he's done, you know, servicing you teeth-wise when you do this. But ask him, um, do you, do you, let him know that, listen, I wanted you to know that last week when you mentioned your thoughts on me being an educator, um, it offended me. Mm. And more than likely, if the person has any kind of, you know, understanding, they're going to be a little apologetic. Right. You know, and... 
but you know, just just say no. It's okay. I, I recognize what you're you know saying. I don't take offense, but it it initially offended me, so I took a mm-hmm. little offense. But I I understand. I I have a question for you. And then say to them, you know, I told her to say, um, do you appreciate, do you value being a doctor? Mm-hmm. And more than likely, the guy's going to say, well, yes, I do. Right. And I said, and then just simply let the doctor know that, well, somebody had to teach you to be a doctor. Because I don't think that anything is more significant or powerful than coaching, counseling, exactly. mentoring. It is about others, not about yourself. Right. Because if it was about yourself, what how boring would this life be? Okay, yes. Yes, yes. And I do think that um many times teachers and mentors and coaches don't get the recognition that they deserve. But no um they're yeah, they're making impacts and changes in people's lives. And you said it's really just about making someone feel significant, important. Because many times you end up feeling because, like the yeah. number. Just think they are, because you have no idea, you know, what the people that you're around, the people that you're fortunate to be around, any of them can be really instrumental in blessing a host of other people. And so your job is simply to do that very thing. Do that for them. Like whatever's been, I bet you everybody that's listening or any, anybody could say, Hey, I want you to think of Three. Th- tell me the people in your life that made an incredible difference for you. I bet you that they could tell you and rally it off like instantaneously. If you mm-hmm. ask them who the five presidents were in order in the United States of America, I don't know that they'd know. If right. you ask them who the t- last 10 presidents, I don't know they know. But if you ask somebody who are the people that really made a difference for you that helped you in your life, not only could they, will they tell you, but they'll emotionally feel it as they do. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, sometimes, I mean, Maya Angelou said this, that it's not about what you say, but it's how you make people feel, basically. That's what they're going to She's one of my about. favorite humans. Yes. One of my favorite humans because her skill set with words, with the way she expressed her heart in words, was special. Yes. And I don't think sometimes we realize how important words are. Um, and yes, even when you're talking are. about um, playing sports, words are important. It's how we communicate. How a- we absolutely, absolutely. You know, sometimes it's interesting. Um, you know, some words, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Foul words. You know, curses. Whatever the case. Some people think that they can say things, and that and that brings emphasis to it. Right. Um, the truth be told, you know, the thing that puts emphasis to your words is your internal emotional care for other people as you deliver them. Mm. So your words have to really carry the feeling of really wanting to help that person that you're with. And when that happens, that's when real communication takes place. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So also, since you were talking about the emotional aspect, tell me, how does that Mm -hmm. play out? Because I know sometimes as young people, you're going through so much stuff, you know, stuff with parents at home and whether it's the bullying or the parents arguing or their failing grades or whatever. Yep. Yep. What do you say? What we do first. Yeah. 
Well, to all our kids, like the first order of business is grades. You know, okay. we, we immediately make sure they understand. They're a student athlete. That's why student becomes before athlete in that term. And then who you are as a person is in conjunction with that. So once we take care of those things and people are on a growthful page there, because they, they have to be growthful there. Once they're there, they're going to be allowed to play. But we're not going to have them play before that. Mm-hmm. That has to come first. Because then there's a level of balance and there's a there's accountability to that. You have to make sure that the kids understand. Like the sport may be a carrot that you know you use to basically lead them into doing already what they need to be doing to being successful, i.e. taking care of school and taking care to the best of your ability to be the best person you can be. Yes, definitely. Yes. So we're going to take a small little break and then we come back. We're going to um, wrap it up and talk a little bit more about um, the struggles kids have and how we can make a difference. Okay. In this commercial here, um, as a therapist here, I wanted to talk a little bit about parenting. It's so important. I know I've, this is maybe my second or third one about children, but as parents, we have to realize the importance impact we have on our kids. And that's, we were just speaking about in a few moments ago, words. Parents' words to kids matter. And um, with your kids, it's so important to be positive toward them. Of course, kids are going to make mistakes, but it's how you approach that mistake with your kid, whether it's the mistake of homework not being done or staying out late. It's how you approach it teaching them the right way to do things and also teaching them the ability to be able to look at themselves and accept criticism, but it's about how you say it. So as parents, I just really want to reiterate the importance of uplifting your children, because especially in today's world, and since um, your kids have social media going on, they really need to be uplifted by your, by your parents. So it's really important as a parent to let your kids know how much you love them, how proud you are of whatever they can do that um, is in their best ability. Um, whether it's you're proud of them for making up their bed, proud of them the grades, um, proud of how they dress, compliment them because kids listen more to that. And the last thing that I would love to say to parents out there is that parents, kids watch what you do. Okay. They watch what you do and how you live your life and how you talk to your friends and how you deal with that. Kids, your children are listening. So if you want your kids to be um, better in the sense of how they interact with their friends, better with their schoolwork, better being on time and things, then you have to demonstrate the same thing in that aspect. Okay. Yes. So now back to you, Tim. Um. And yes, yes. What do you think are the top struggles that kids have to face today? And as parents, counselors, and teachers, what can we do to help with them in that? I, I think the biggest thing again is them getting to feel comfortable with themselves, to you know, be empowered, you know, with themselves. I think it's when you think about it, their peers and forging their way and and understanding who they are in the pool of people that they associate with that are their peers okay. is a part of a 
a difficult process, and you know, for any of us. So, to me, as you said, the more we can empower them to let them know uh, when they're making great decisions, mm-hmm. uh, when they're when we respect the way they think about things, or or the way they you know get themselves up off the floor after they make a mistake, because uh, those are all things that everybody does. Right. So you know, for me. I think that that's a hurdle. And I, I really think mental health across the nation, um, especially I think in young people now is a significant concern because mm-hmm. I do think that the Microsoft people, you know, it's funny, you know, you, you go to um, the people that actually develop the phone and different things, you know, they, they're not allowing their kids to use it on a regular basis and, uh, and, and the computers and, so Microsoft, it's funny that there's a need for using technology um, to help things go better. And it certainly is a, a wealth of things that it assists with with helping people. But there are also some issues with uh, the, the overuse of it or um, or some of the people that, you know, get involved that can hurt you through it. Um, so it's. I don't know that we we technologically advanced, but I don't know that we've emotionally, you know, and mentally and physically, you know, understand that there's, you know, there's things we need to know about social media and the things we create that can be detrimental too. Does that make sense? No, exactly. I think, um, how can I put it? Sometimes we, um, even the sense of being on the computers are, we play a lot of video games yes. and even sports games and stuff. And you think it's the same thing, but it's really not the same thing as connecting with people, playing an actual sport, getting out, um, connecting with your classmates, teammates, your friends. You know, absolutely. And it's, you know, the phone, as I said, you know, the manufacturers, business, money being made. I mean, there are some things that, I don't want my child that, you know, you have to put on uh, limits on your phone and, and get things that apps that keep, you know, some things you don't want your children's to witness, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, something sexual, uh, something, uh, you know, uh, aggressive, something angry, something catastrophe, you know, like there, there are things you just don't need, you need to monitor. And, uh, and I think that really can, her kids, especially at an early age, if all of that isn't understood when kids have phones, because they get to things that they're seeing that they really don't understand at a way too young of an age. Does that make sense? No, that make that makes a lot of definite sense. Yeah. And so I'm glad as a coach that you say that you have them put their phones away. Um, oh, yes. Yes. And we, yes. we monitor their social media. We, you know, we talk to them about how you can best express yourself and um, and that anything that you put out on the internet, you got to, you got to know that it, it doesn't go away and, mm-hmm. and it's, it affects you. So, you know, you have to, you know, put out, if you put out things, you got to be very aware of what you're putting out and, and that there's a lot of maturity involved with, uh, you know, with the need for maturity, especially in dealing with the social media stuff. Cause for some kids it's like, they're, you know, it's like having the first crack at something, you know? You know, one time alcohol was illegal. It was prohibited. 
Yes. And at another time, smoking was considered like not bad for your health. And, right. And there was a time the world was said to be flat. I mean, the bottom <laughs> line is, I think we'll find out there are a lot of different effects of the telephone and the computer that aren't, you know, the best in the world. And we're realizing some of those. So hopefully we'll we'll be better at taking precautions so that, you know, so that kids in the future don't get hurt by it. Right. Definitely. Yes. Well. Yes, it's been a pleasure having you on. I mean, you've just given us so much information. Um, If there's one thing you can tell young people out there um, that could change their lives, what would it be? That's easy. Everybody that's hearing this, and especially those in Southwest Florida, make sure, make sure you get a hold of April Brown's uh, means to contact her. Because she is the top of the food chain when it comes to counseling. I'm talking top of the food chain. I have, I, I, I received my master's in counseling. Uh, Albert Ellis was somebody that I worked with. He's considered the top therapist for many that has ever lived. Here's the bottom line. April Brown, can her hearing ability is off the chain. Her ability to get you to hear yourself is off the chain. Her concern for you to shine is off the chain. And her friendship to the Maloney's, both my wife and I and my son, is off the chain. And so that's what I would tell them. Get a hold of you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes, I didn't expect that. But thank you. Thank you. But yeah, um, how can I put it? Um, You've been such an inspiration to me just because of how you carry yourself and also how you motivate other people and especially young people. Because some of us just like um, we give up on the youth and we can't because the youth no. is, is the next generation. The youth is yes. going to take care of us. Yes. And the youth, um, and as you know, um, teaches us things. No question. Yes, yes, yes. And so I'm one who believes that I don't know everything. And a lot of young people, um, even today, have taught me different ways and stuff and different things. And so Um, What I try to do and what you try to do is just make that what we call that intimate connection, which is that strong bond between people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm and we are very thankful for our connection to you. So, A, thank you so much, April, for being our friend, for having me on your show. And I hope that uh, I hope that people enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed being on it. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show also. And um, check us out at any time, okay? If you ever okay. want to come back. Thank you. Absolutely. All righty. Bye, April. Bye. This is the Bringing Intimacy Back show where intimacy is real. Thank you, Tim. If you like what you heard on the show, please feel free to um, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram. Look under Dr. April Brown, Bringing Intimacy Back, or also the new service of Vacation Counseling. Thank you.